Good morning. 180 million dollars is what the overall goal is for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year, and we are blessed to be a part of that. Uh, last year, we had a goal. This year, our goal is thirty thousand uh, dollars. You are generous, generous people, and we have no doubt that we will not only meet that goal in ex but exceed it as we did last year. You know, it's a privilege to be a part of what God's doing, not only here, but around the world. Amen? And y'all are asleep today. <laughs> Turn to the person on your left and on your right and behind you and in front of you and say, man, I'm sure glad to see you here today. You do that. I know that there are some people that you're more excited to see than other people. But anyway, listen, can I tell you a story about Larry and Sue? I heard a story about Larry and Sue. Mike, this is just for you today. But uh, anyway, Larry and Sue, listen, they, they didn't have an awful lot of money, and uh, they didn't do an awful lot of things outside of the normal stuff, but they did enjoy going to the state fair. The state fair, Mike, was something they really enjoyed doing. They didn't really spend a lot of money. They just went to the state fair. It was enough for just in, them just to get into the door. And so... Um, but uh, Larry was always intrigued with this guy that had a plane, and he would take people on plane flights. And every year he would tell Sue, Sue, listen, one day I'm going to take, take that flight, and uh, it's only $10. And she'd say, well, yeah, Larry, but $10 is $10. And this went on for several years. And then finally, one day Larry in his manliness said, look, I'm not asking. I'm telling you, we're going on the plane ride this year. You, ever, you guys ever done that before in your home? Well, yeah, there's no laughing today, y'all. So uh, she said, oh, she said, um, she said, well, how much does it cost? Well, it's $10 like it always is. And she said, but $10 is $10. He said, listen, I'm 75 years old. I may not get a chance to do this this year. We're going to splurge. We're going to do that. So you could tell there was some tension. You guys ever had tension in your house because of fi finances? Tension, financial? Why are y'all quiet for? <laughs> financial tensions. Well, there was some financial tensions, but the guy behind him, he, he was the owner of the plane and the pilot, he, he overheard. So he said, listen, he said, I'm, a, I, I'm so sorry for, I wasn't eavesdropping, I promised Lee, I, but I could hear everything that was going on. I want to make your day. I want to make sure that you guys get a chance to go on this plane ride. So it's going to be on me. There's only one catch, just one catch. And he said, he said, it's, it's free. However, if, if you happen to, to say anything, if, if you mutter a word or anything while we're up in the plane, it's gonna I'm going to just charge you $10. So it's, it's a win-win situation for you, okay? $10 are free if you don't say anything. And Larry's like, baby, we're in. We got this thing. So they get in the plane. They buckle in, do what they're supposed to do. And they're off, and they continue to, to, to elevate. I guess that's what you call it in the plane, go higher and higher and higher. And um, he got up to a certain level, and he's moving along pretty slick. And all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, this joker begins to turn and twist and do all kinds of loop-de-loops and all that kind of stuff that crazy people do. And there's not a word going on in the back. So uh, this goes on for five or ten minutes, and finally he's, he's well, and so he just, he, he descends and going to land the plane. And, and uh, while he's landing the plane, he comes to a stop, and he hollers in the back, Hey, Larry! Man, I can't believe you guys didn't say anything the whole trip. Larry said, well, he said, I was going to say something when my wife fell out on that first turn. 
He said, but you know $10 is $10. (laughs) I don't care what uh, group you listen to, listen. The issue of finances inside the home is there's a tension that's there. Is there anybody in here today that would tell a lie and say that you've never had an argument or a fuss or anything about finances in the home? Anybody want to raise their hand? I didn't think so. Not too many of them. But anyway, listen, when you start talking and look at statistics based on divorce and and finances, 80% of divorces today, if you interview, they will tell you that one of the major tensions they experienced in the home was in reference to finances. Well, the Bible doesn't say an awful lot specifically about the topic of managing money in marriage, but it does have an awful lot to say about the issue of generosity and finances. I haven't done the counting, but there are scholars that say somewhere between, there's one out of six verses inside the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, that are, are deal directly or indirectly with the money or management of money. I say Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic gospels because they describe events from a similar point of view as contrasted to that of John. Synoptic means to see together or common viewpoint. So let's go back to where we were last week in in the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians where we were. We were in chapter 8 last week. This week we're going to be in chapter 9. So if you turn there with me, we're going to begin with the reading of God's word in verse 6, and we're going to read through all the way verse 15. So this is what this is what Paul has has to say in reference as he was writing there to the church at Corinth. He says this in beginning in verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That makes a lot of sense, right? But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Paul's reflecting back to the Old Testament to a a passage of scripture in Psalms chapter 112. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result in this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Jesus, today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with us here in this room and over these next few minutes as we take a look at these passages that we would hear from you something that would be impactful and encouraging to us in our faith walk today. For the person that may be here that doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray that we would first recognize that the greatest gift of all was the gift that you gave of your son Jesus 2,000 years ago who came to earth that 33 years later would give his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we, so that we might live and experience your grace and mercy, forgiveness. 
what I pray today also, it's on my mind and my heart that this time of the season, as joyous and as, as grateful as, as it is, great as it is, there's always this season can be heart-wrenching for some that are struggling with the loss of loved ones, that are dealing with issues that are far beyond anything that's for us to even imagine. And in this season of generosity, there can be depression, anxiety, issues of, of loneliness. Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't just hear your words today, but Jesus, that we would sense your spirit in this place and remind us of the privilege we have of being your children. Guide our thoughts and our words today in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to go back and sort of give you a little bit of an update, bringing you back to where a little bit of a background on our passage today. If you remember, if you were here with us last week, you will know that Paul is out on his third missionary journey. And on that journey, one of the objectives was, was taking up a collection or an offering that go back to the believers in Jerusalem who were suffering. And he was doing, taking up that offering from Gentile churches. And so um, the church at, at Corinth had wanted to participate, said that they wanted to participate, but hadn't up until this point because they were dealing with a lot of other distractions. There was sexual adultery they were dealing with in the church. There was the issue of divisiveness, divisiveness as well as um, the misuse of spiritual gifts. And so the church was, was distracted from that which it, which it is suppo was supposed to be doing. And you know, it's really easy for us to get distracted and off base. Are, are we, you understand? It's easy for us to get off on tangents and forget what the church is all about and what we're supposed to be doing. And so with that thought in mind, bringing us up to date, I just want to take our passage today, and I'd like to be able to look and, and maybe unearth a few principles that are centered around the issue of finances and generosity. And the first thing that I want you to write down today, which is really important, is that which is called remember the source. First and foremost, foundational is this, remember the source. God's word teaches us that God is the source. He is our provider. Look at what he says in verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Who provides? Now look, okay, let's get on the same wavelength today. So there's going to be a little bit of participation, okay? So when I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a question. So like when I ask a question, you guys are supposed to respond to me all together. Don't be afraid of what you might say, the fact that it may be wrong. You want to be right, so I'm going to be easy. So, so who provides all that we need? God. See, there you go. That's great. All right, so God does. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. When it comes to the generosity of God, he not only is generous, he is the source of everything, not only giving us enough, but more than what we need. Look at what Paul goes on to write in verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Paul's borrowing some language from the Old Testament from a writing there in Isaiah chapter 55, 55, which says the rain and snow will come down from the heavens, stay on the ground to water the earth and cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And here's the point. Don't miss this. Make sure you write this down. Make note of it. God not only supplies the resources for living, but also for giving. I'll say that again. God not only supplies the resources for living, but also for giving. I want you to look at it from this perspective. Who provides the soil that the farmer uses? 
See, y'all are great. Where does the seed come from that the farmer uses? Where does the strength and the desire to come from uh, come from that the farmer has to work? It comes from where? From God. God is the source of the resource. Talking about sources, notice something along those lines in verse 14 and 15. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the believers at Corinth. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. The indescribable gift. And here Paul links God's gift, God's gift of grace through his son Jesus Christ to our gift, God's indescribable gift that he mentions was his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, that came to be with us 33 years, three years later, that he would give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. God's indescribable gift was, his, uh, was the foundation of our gift. We are able to give because God first gave to us. Just as God loved and he gave, when in turn we love God, we have the ability to demonstrate God's love through an attitude of generosity using the resources that God has blessed us to be able to bless others. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it was Paul. Paul asked the question, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And the answer to that is nothing. Everything that we have comes from God. And you might be thinking, oh, okay, okay, but, but listen, it's my work ethic. It's my work ethic. Um, my hard work, to which I would respond to what it says in Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In other words, God is the source. He is the source of our strength. He is the source of our skill. He is the source of our intelligence. He is the source of our motivation. Everything comes from him. God is the source. And you need to remember that. Second thing I want you to write down is this, restrain yourself. There is a difference between needs and our wants. Look at what Paul said in verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, forever. Obviously, when we read these passages, the content centers around having needs met. And the Bible teaches us that God has promised to supply our needs. It was when in prison that Paul was writing words to the church at Philippi, and this is what he said. And this same God who takes care of me will supply your needs from his glorious riches. We have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Write this down someplace. God promises to supply our needs, not our greeds. Amen? God promises to supply our, our needs, not our greeds. You know, it's so much easier to focus on the things that we don't have instead of the things that we do have. How many of us whine about the stuff that we don't have and fail to reflect on the things that we do have? You know, Alan made, made a comment about we have so much to be thankful for. So much. According to the World Bank statistics, 7.9 billion people living in the world. Out of that, there is a, a large portion, a large portion, half of that, that lives on $6 a day, with another 10% of those people living on less than $2 a day, give or take a few. It brings it around 800 million people. 800 million people in the world today living on less than $750 a year, which is twice the population of the United States. Wow. I'm thankful 
for the opportunity that our kids have had to be able to travel and to be a part of missions and to be a part of what God is doing in various places. I'll always remember taking Abby to Nicaragua and we came back after Nicaragua and there was a fuss going on in the back seat between Caleb and Anna. You guys may not remember this. I know Mama does. And so there's this little fight going on in the back and they're talking about, it's so hot! It's darling Chris, We're going to die! You know? And I mean, all this is going on and I remember Abby going... This is one of those proud, proud daddy moments. You know, you just sort of stick your chest out and you go, that's what I'm talking about. So Abby goes, you don't know what hot is. If you want to know what hot is, you should have been with me where I was at. There was no air. You ought to be thankful for the things that you have. <laughs> Abigail, it's good to have you here today. <laughs> Do you remember that moment? I remember. I'll never forget that moment. Listen. It was Jesus that said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, blessed or beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own, or we could say the abundance of our possessions. There's definitely a difference between that which is a necessity and the extras. We can maybe put it in three different categories, our needs, our wants, and consumerism. Our needs, the things that we have to have, those things that are essential, food, water, clothing, and shelter, those things are essential. Then there's the wants, the things that we want, the things that we enjoy, the things that we like, like running water, indoor plumbing, electricity, a microwave, air conditioning. <laughs> you see, we, we live in America, and we think those are have-tos. Those are those aren't have-tos. Those are, those are wants. Those aren't needs, people. I've been in places where there is none of that. And you know what? There are people that are happy and fine and doing great. We have been spoiled in this world in which we live here in the United States. But I don't have it. I don't have it. I mean, the air goes out, the hurricane comes, electricity shuts down, and man, you think the world is over around this place. Then the third thing is consumerism. Now look, this is very important. I need you to look at me, keep your eyes on me. Do not look to the left or to the right because there could be a black eye or a bruise or something like that. So make sure you keep your eyes on me. This is very important. Unwise spending based on impulse, advertising, marketing. How many of us have things around the house that we thought at that moment we had to have it because we saw it on an advertisement or an infomercial? It's in our closet now, collecting dust on a shelf, in a garage, in a barn, in a storage unit. Are you with me? Shh, look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Women, men, We've all been there. I love what Dave Ramsey had to say in reference to this obsession. We, why is it that we buy things with, with money with, we don't need, with money we don't have, trying to impress people we don't even like? But counter that with what Hebrews chapter 5, 13 says. Don't love money, but be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I can be content knowing that God is there, that he loves me, that he's not going to leave me. See, when we stand on that, there's not only a sense of contentment, but there's also a sense of peace and rest. It's that, yet how many people fail to recognize and experience that? Paul, when mentioning, when mentoring Timothy, said this in 1 Timothy 6, 6, 6 and 7, Paul said, yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. 
But the culture we live in says, no, you aren't somebody until you have something. That's a lie. And I'm reminded today that covetousness, wanting what others may have, only leads to a sense of discontentment. When our self-worth is, is valued by the amount or the accumulation of wealth and stuff, we only find ourselves as a, on a treadmill that we can never get off people. Amen? Listen, just because we, afford it, we can afford it doesn't mean that we have to have it. When's the last time that you walked by something, you saw something, and you could afford it, yet you chose to walk away from it because you knew you didn't need it? Proverbs 15, 16. Boy, I shouldn't be talking about this before Christmas, should I? Black Friday's coming up this week. Proverbs 15, 16. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Remember your source. Restrain yourself. If we were, we were sticking with the R's, I would say this, reflect the master. But what I really want to say for number three is we should always seek to use whatever we have to bring God to glory. Our ultimate goal should be taking whatever it is that God has given us, whether little or much, and using that, being a good steward of that resource to bring him glory. Look back there at verses 12 and 13. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving, from taking up this offering. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Two things, he said, will result from that gift of generosity. Number one, the needs of, of those in, in need will be met. Number two, God will get the credit. Do you ever think about how generosity can point people to Jesus? See what it does. Generosity opens up the door for us. I, I, I want to make note that the church back in Jerusalem didn't view the Gentiles that had come to Christ. They didn't view them very well. As a matter of fact, um, they were against them in a lot of different ways. Peter had got a vision from the Lord. He took the gospel out to outside of Jerusalem to other places and the gospel and the good news began to be shared. People began to reflect on what was going on. They began to repent of their sins, turn to Jesus in faith. And it's awesome news. But when, Paul, when Peter went back to share what was going on, he was not only criticized, but he was reprimanded for not only sharing the gospel, but hanging out with the Gentiles. But the Gentiles hadn't just received Christ. But they were growing and they were maturing in their faith. And listen at this. Instead of being bitter about what was being said and how they were being treated, they saw an opportunity to live out their faith, to meet a need. And that's exactly what they did. Bring God to glory. I didn't share this in the first service because of time. But I remember when, um, when we were getting ready to have Abby and we had waited 12 years. Um, Meredith had resigned. Our goal was that um, when, when it was time that Meredith would resign her position and she would stay home until it was our kids um, went off to school and then she would go back into the workplace uh, in the school system. And I remember um, right during the middle of all that that was going on, Meredith had resigned and our pool pump went out. And, um, and, and I remember thinking to myself, well, isn't this great timing, you know? And so uh, the pool pump, it was the well. Yeah, it was the well, the water well. I mean, that's important when you're having babies around the house, okay? And so the well went out and, huh? 
You want to be a part of it? You want to come tell the story? Poop pump. Oh, oh, poop. Not the poop pump, the well. That's right, that's right. I'm getting old, okay? It's the well. The well went out. Our, our water well went out. And so I'm standing, look, and Mr. Davis and Miss Davis came over. They were senior adults. They were probably in their 80s at that time. They came, came peddling around. They were always around the house at some point in time during the day. And he said, Sid, what you doing? I said, well, the, the well just went out, and I'm going to have to replace the well. And, uh, and I'm just trying to think in my head, okay, we've got to do this, this, this. I'm just trying to put it in my mind and how we're going to go about things. Well, Mr. Davis and Miss Davis, they disappeared, and they came back about he came back about 30 minutes later, and I'm, I was doing something else, and he said, Sid, can I see you for a second? I said, sure. He said, listen, he said, I know that you guys got this new child on the way, and Meredith's resigned and getting ready to, for all this going on. He said, listen, Lily and I want to bless you, and we want to, we want to pay for your well to be fixed. <laughs> Dumb me. I said, no. <laughs> listen, it's amazing what pride robs us from. I thought to myself, I can handle this. There are a lot of other people in this world that need this. I've, you know, um, we had the money set aside. I didn't, it, I mean, it was going to be, it was going to be expensive. But the fact that he would come and he said, Sid, please let us pay. And I, I wouldn't let him pay. I wouldn't let him pay as much as he wanted to pay. But you know, it was an attitude of generosity that flowed out of something that came from deep within because of what Jesus had done in their lives. It wasn't the fact that it wasn't, they had plenty of money. But it, they had more, they, God had met their need. They had more than what they needed. They wanted to supply us to help us out at that time. See, God, the resources that God has entrusted us with can not only be used to bless others, but to bring God the glory. And I'm thankful to be part of a church that is filled with generous people. I was driving in the other day, and here's Tim. I don't remember who else was with Tim. There were Tim and several other guys that are out here helping. They're using their time. Not, listen, generosity is not just our, resource, our financial resources, but it's times and talents as well. And we, we live in a group of people that you are so generous with what you have. And for that, I am forever grateful for you. Because, because of your generosity, our community is a better community. Can I say that? Be, because of you and what you do and, and your generosity, our community, no, let me say this, our world is a better world. Let me just take it to you from that perspective because there are wells that we've put in in multiple places around, around the globe for people who haven't had clean water have now have clean water. Just a few years ago, it was, we had the opportunity to put one in India where there had been multiple people that had passed away because of drinking dirty water. This year, we're going to have another opportunity to put a well in in India. And you know why? Because it's a, it's a community that we have work that's going on there, and they're wanting to use the well as an opportunity to, be, to not only be generous, but to be able to open up the door so that people can hear about Christ there have been buildings that have been built in other, other places. There have been ministries that have taken place. You've got Lottie Moon where monies have been given to sponsor uh, missionaries that are out on the field. You've got these Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes that are going out to children around the world that they're not only receiving gifts, but they're also receiving the gospel of Jesus. I mean, I'm so proud of you guys for what takes place with Beyond the Walls. You have no earthly idea the number of resources that are received here within our community through Beyond the Walls, not just the food resources, not just at Thanksgiving and Christmas, but throughout the year. We have the privilege of serving our neighbors. 
the haircuts that are given by Danielle and her team, the mobile dental clinic that does work uh, every August to be able to meet the dental needs of our people within the community. Just in the next few weeks, it's not just that, but it's the schools, the, the, what happens in the schools and what takes place because of your generosity that we're able to participate in. Here in a couple of weeks, we'll bring in the staff from Fruitland Park, from our, um, our city employees to bring them in along with Bless Fruitland Park to serve them lunch here because we want them to know that God loves them and that we care about them and we appreciate what they do. Project Generosity, which we don't even talk about an awful lot, in the past 10 years has put back into our community, our community, more than $110,000 working with more than 60 different organizations so that kids have an opportunity to participate in activities. That's because of you. Because of you. Listen, and it's an opportunity for us to be able to, to be generous because God has been generous to us. But it can be so difficult to be generous if we're overloaded in debt because what debt does is it strangles our generosity. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. According to, to some reports, American households say they are burdened by debt. Two top financial fears. Number one, there's going to be something that takes place, and I don't have a safety net to help meet that unexpected expense. Number two, I will never have enough for retirement. Another stat that I was sort of taken back by was this. 60% of families, 60% of families, in other words, six out of ten families that are represented, um, spend more than what they bring in every week which is a disaster waiting to happen. We should live as debt-free as possible, not just for the sake of our health, but for the glory of God. When we're living in debt, we don't have an opportunity to participate in the things that God may be doing. And then all of a sudden, it gets in this snowball effect because we feel guilty and we feel shamed. And all of a sudden, there's not a willing heart, but there's a reluctant heart. But we shouldn't live that way for God's glory. For God's glory. Write this down, number four. Plan accordingly. It's important to think ahead. Look at what Paul said in verse six. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seed will get a small crop. That makes a lot of sense. Plant a little bit, get a little bit. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Here's Paul using a farming illustration to make his point. The farmer tills the soil. The farmer is the one that plants the seed. And the harvest is based on the amount of seed that you plant. Let that speak to you across the board. You plant a little, you'll harvest a little. The farmer, who, the farmer won't harvest what he doesn't plant. Talking about planting, this, this letter that Paul write wasn't just a spur of the moment. It wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction that Paul is writing, but it was a planned letter that Paul wrote. And in the same way, we need to have plans, understanding that those plans can change. I love the old proverb that says, man plans, but God laughs. God laughs. Have you ever had that happen where you've had a plan, but your plans got changed? This, I mean, we see this happen every May and June of every year where we have graduating students that have their plans, what they're going to do, and then all of a sudden their plans change. It happens all the time. James 4, 13 and 16, James, the brother Jesus, the leader of the early church, wrote this, look, here you who say today or tomorrow we're going to do, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. 
What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and such boasting is evil. We're to plan accordingly, but all of our plans are subject to God. In reference to planning accordingly, four things you want to know in reference to your finances. Number one, what's coming in? What are the finances that are coming in? Number two, what's going out? What are the monies that you're spending? Number three, what is it we owe? And number four, what do we own? Those things, those four things help us plan accordingly and leads us to number five, give generously. Verse seven, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We can say this entire passage deals and centers around the idea of generosity being generous. But this is what we see here in verse 7. Paul talks about that our giving should be done intentionally and purposefully. The New King James Version says this in verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. And this seems to be the only time that we find this word, this Greek word used in the New Testament. It's the word for purposes. And it means to make a predetermination. And so here's the application that when we sit down and we begin to establish a budget, everybody has a budget, right? Let me say that one more time. Everybody has a budget, right? Yes. Sort of have a budget, okay? That's all right. Um, we decide in advance that we want to be generous, that our intention is in our budgeting, is that our giving, our generosity is not based off of spur of the moment, a knee-jerk reaction. It's not based off compulsion. It's not based off of prodding, but it is predetermining that your budget is something that you predetermine. You measure out what's coming in, and then you take a portion of that, and you're going to say, okay, first of all, we're going to give this. We're going to intentionally predetermine this is what we want to give. Then we want to save this portion because we know that there's a rainy day coven and then we're going to live off the rest. You depend, you, de you decide those portions. For Meredith and I, we got this that comes in. God, we're going to give this first. Then we're going to save this because we know a rainy day is coming. There's going to be a well, not a pump well, but a well that's going to go out and, and I'm going to have to fix it. There may not be a Mr. Davis around the corner that says, Sid, let us help you do that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to live off of the rest. I'm going to live off the rest. And that's a great pattern. Give, save, and live. And that pattern right up front says, God, what I want to do is I want to take what you've blessed me with. I want to take those first fruits and I want to set them aside because I believe I want to give them because I believe that everything that I have comes from you. And secondly, I want to choose not to spend everything that I have, but I want to set some aside to save because I know that there's going to be a time that something's coming. And then I'm going to take and live off the rest, whatever that portion may be. And we begin to live that way. Man, there's so much stress that's relieved. But how many of us live just the opposite of that? We're going to live, woo! And we're going to save, woo! <laughs> and if there's something left over, we might give. And we wonder why we struggle. And when we live that way, generosity, sharing, putting Jesus first will always be an issue. So we're to budget purposefully with intent predetermined. Notice that he also says in verse 7 that we aren't to give reluctantly or, un, or in response to pressure. 
whether the pressure is internal or external, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We learned last week the word cheerfully is where we get the word hilarious. You know, hilarious. I, uh, I, when I think of hilarious, I think of somebody just uncontrollable last, laughter. Jessica McDowell is not here today, but I would mention her uh, because I just love when, when she gets to laughing and can't stop. I think it's so funny. And, it's, it's, and you know what? It's contagious. Because when we're with her and she begins to laugh, all the rest of us want to laugh around her. And the Bible talks about being a hilarious giver. I happen to be to know some people that are hilarious givers that love to give because they love to bless. They love to meet needs and they love to give God the glory and all the things. This past week, I had a phone call. I had a phone call. Somebody said, Sid, I've been out of town. Can you meet me just for a second? They don't go to Heritage. They're a business person within this area. And they handed me a check, and they said this to me. It was just, just a short meeting. I said, I'm giving you this because I appreciate all that your church does in our community for children and youth and teenagers. I appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, doesn't even go to church here. See, we think God's money is always on the inside of the church. Can I tell you that God owns everything, everything, even the money on the outside that you didn't know about. I love the passage of Scripture in the book of Exodus when, when God has declared to the people he calls Moses and said, we're going to build a tabernacle, and he calls them together, and he said, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to go about it. I want you to tell the people. I want you to call them together. I want you to tell them this is what we're going to do. And this is what it said in Exodus 35, 5. Take a sacred offering for the Lord that those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Did you hear what he said? Let those with generous hearts and willing hearts, those that, that, that have predetermined in their life that they want to be generous, give generously and expectantly. I, I love what it goes on to say. So, so they're collecting these resources. And they talked about the financial resources, but it also talked about the, the other things that were needed. And it also talked about the skills that people had. And they brought it all. And I... I Man, I love what Moses said. Moses said, stop. Stop bringing stuff. We got more than enough. Do you know when God's people lives the way that we're supposed to live, that we have more than enough to do what God's called us to do? Amen? Boy, y'all are... Let me say that one more time. Amen? That should be amen. Listen, when we utilize what God has given us and we say, God, I want to put you first, we always have more than enough to do what you've called us to do. And I want to finish with this. So probably several months ago, um, I, a, a friend's father had passed away and I couldn't be a part of being, being there at the funeral. And so I wanted to listen. So I, I found the funeral online and I was listening to it in the truck in, in this technological world that we have. And I was listening to the funeral and and uh, I thought I was done with the funeral, but the funeral kept going on and on and on and on. And Emily, by the way, I thought it was your father that was speaking. I'll have to let you listen to it. And so I keep, and I'm thinking, man, this is the longest funeral I think I've ever listened to in my life. And it just goes on and on and on. And then finally one day I'm thinking, this is, all right, this is getting crazy. I mean, this is, just keep, it won't, it won't stop. And, um, and he got really, really really odd when I'm pulling into the house and I hear, I, I hear him say, she. And I thought, she? Whose funeral am I listening to? 
I thought I'd been listening to this guy over here's funeral. And now he said, what is, what is this? This doesn't make any sense. And so it really caught my attention. So I just, I sat and I listened for a few minutes and he started talking about how this lady had been so faithful to the Lord and how generous she was. And she had always wanted to use what she had, the resources that she had for God's glory. And that now she was receiving a crown in heaven that she never received here on earth because she never saw the benefits um, or the, the, the blessings of her investment. So I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, man, what, what am I listening to? And then he said, you know, when, when she was, uh, there was a point in time she took a young man into her home, and she felt like God had wanted her to open up the door so that um, so they could, um, she could have ministry. Uh, there were, her husband had passed away several years prior to that, these two older ladies that were staying together, and she wanted to invite somebody else to come into home, but she had invited this young man uh, he was in ministry and how she poured into his life, how she made a difference, and how this young man is now in ministry making a difference for eternity. And he said, I, I think I've got a letter from that young man. And he began to read the letter. And that was my letter. It was somebody who'd passed away 12 years prior, and I've never heard this funeral before. And yet it's playing on my iTunes. And he's reading a letter that I had written, and I'm sitting there just bawling. I'm just, I'm just, I'm beside my, Meredith said, where did you get that from when I told her? I said, I have no earthly idea. I've never heard it. But he went on to talk about the fact that the investment that she had made was reaping a reward, but she never saw it here. Can I say this right here? In the days ahead, there will be many of us that participate in ministry. We participate in ministry, but we may not ever see an earthly reward. But there will be a reward when we get to heaven because every seed that's planted will at some place and some time be harvested. Are you with me? Absolutely. See, what you don't know about that story about Jane Titshaw is in the early days of heritage. When Jane found out, um, Jane was a, she was a teacher by trade. She was a middle school home ec teacher. Jane was a miser, and uh, when Heritage began, we got a check. A check came for $1,000, and the next month, the check came for $1,000, and the next month, the check came for $1,000, and then it came the time that we got two checks in the, in the same month from Jane, and Dottie came to me. She said, Sydney, she knew that Jane was a friend, and by the way, I have no clue what you guys give from day one. I don't know that. They told me this because Jane was a friend, and also Dottie came to me because it was it was out of the it was out of the norm. We were so small; it was just out of the norm. And I told her, I said, "You need to call Jane because I don't think things are right." Jane was in the early stages of Alzheimer's, and she forgot. They ended up moving her to Georgia. When Meredith and I found that out, we took the kids. We went to see her, spent time with her, and basically said our goodbyes. But you know why? Jane could be generous. Jane could be generous because she first recognized the generosity that Jesus had given her. And that she wanted to use what she had, the resources that God had blessed her with, not just to, to fill her life with a bunch of extra toys, but she wanted to use the resources that God had blessed her from a kingdom perspective. She wanted to be part of what God was doing. And so when she found out, when she found out what was going on, Jane said, I want to be a part. 
I want to be part of what God's doing. There were many nights, this, it was almost like a sitcom. If you can imagine these two senior adult ladies, and here I am, a, a college student. We'd sit around at late at night and talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. And yet Jane in heaven now is receiving a reward. She never got a chance to see you. She never got a chance, an opportunity to see many that have been baptized or relationships with, with uh, marriages that have been put back together or people that have been ministered to. She never had an opportunity, but in heaven right now, she's receiving that reward. See, if you, if you have a problem with generosity, the problem, the problem isn't the fact that you don't have enough money. The problem is your heart's not in the right place. Because when we, when we recognize what God has done for us, there's no way we can't be generous. I said it last week and I'll say it again. It's not our wallets that God wants. It's our hearts. Not reluctantly. Not out of bitterness or compulsion or because somebody twists your arm. But I want to be generous. I want to be an hilarious giver. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Some people will say, oh, he's preaching that because the church don't have no finances. Let me tell you something. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. God has truly blessed us. And you know why? And we're sitting on, we're sitting on the pinnacle right now saying, God, what's next? God, what do you want us to do? What is it you want us to be a part of? Because of your generosity, not only have this community, there are other churches that have been impacted because of your generosity. It's a blessing to be able to do that. But for God's glory, not for Heritage's name, but for God's glory. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, what a privilege it is for us to go back to your word and be reminded of the importance of generosity and where it flows from. It flows from a heart that first recognizes that everything that we have comes from you. What a privilege it is that we have the, a chance to reflect your goodness and your mercy to this community through our generous deeds and task giving. For the person that's here that's wrestling, first of all, I just ask that they go back and ask themselves that they come to the place where they know for certain without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is Lord of their life. If Jesus isn't Lord, right now they have the ability to go before you and just ask for forgiveness. Believe that Jesus died on a cross, that he gave his life. They have the ability right now to just commit their lives to him. If you're here today or listening online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what is it would keep you from making the most important decision of your life? I'll tell you what it is. It's pride. Same thing that I, when I said to Mr. Davis, no, I got it, Mr. Davis. See, it's what we do with Jesus. No, I, I got it, Jesus. I can take care of it. But there's something that happens when we willingly humble, submit ourselves, and we lay ourselves down, and we say, Jesus, you take charge. You take control. You take charge. You've never done that, but today, that may even be you. Fathers, we get ready to walk out these doors in just a minute. And help, we, help us be excited about the privilege we have of being your hands and feet to this community. Help us to get excited about the, the opportunities of things like Lottie Moon and being able to give and use that generosity so that the world may come to know about Jesus. Thank you for the generosity of the gifts that have been given for these shoe boxes, Lord, that they will be going out around the world 
so that kids and children may come to know you. You have blessed us as a church, not help us to be thankful for what you've blessed us with in these days as we move towards Thanksgiving this week. Help us to not be whiners, complainers. Help us to be a thankful and and gracious people. Thank you for hearing us today, for being involved in this place. May we recognize the privilege we have of being your ambassadors to this world in which we live. And may may we speak with boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.